The reading is taken from Numbers, chapter 21, verses 4 to 9. They travelled from Mount Hor, along the route to the Red Sea, to go round Edom. But the people grew impatient on the way. They spoke against God and against Moses and said, Why have you brought us up out of Egypt to die in the wilderness? There is no bread, there is no water, and we detest this miserable food. Then the Lord sent venomous snakes among them. They bit the people, and many Israelites died. The people came to Moses and said, We sinned when we spoke against the Lord and against you. Pray that the Lord will take the snakes away from us. So Moses prayed for the people. The Lord said to Moses, Make a snake and put it up on a pole. Anyone who is bitten can look at it and live. So Moses made a bronze snake and put it up on a pole. Then, when anyone was bitten by a snake and looked at the bronze snake, they lived. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. And thank you, Io. Lovely to have you reading here live this morning. It's been great having video recordings of our readers, but really nice to be back live. Let's pray. Lord God, our Father, as always, we bow before you and pray that you will come and speak to us through your word, through the words that I've prepared supremely through the scriptures. Come and speak to us and give us grace to trust you more. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. As I said, today's the last day we're looking at these stories of the Israelites going through the wilderness. We've spent most of the term thinking about them having left Egypt behind and on their way to the promised land in this in-between zone, this land in-between. Just as we, it's over a year ago, we left behind the old normal. A new normal will emerge. We don't quite know what it will look like. And as we've journeyed through this time, God is at work in us individually and together. Uh, today is also Passion Sunday. That's the Sunday when we focus on the cross of Jesus, two weeks before Easter. Next Sunday will be Palm Sunday, and then it will be Easter Day when we focus on the resurrection. Uh, so churches around the world often focus on the cross of Jesus. And this story from the Israelites in the wilderness connects with the death of Jesus, uh, and Jesus used it himself, and we'll look at that after we've looked at the story first. Uh, let's just think about this story. We have seen most weeks the Israelites grumbling and moaning against God. He had rescued them from slavery. He had brought them with his mighty hand and outstretched arm through the plagues and the Red Seas, provided manna for them. He's provided water for them. Uh, he's answered prayer. He's made his presence dwell with them in their midst in the tabernacle, the pillar of cloud and fire. He's revealed his name, that he is compassionate and gracious. And they keep on grumbling and rebelling against him. What is it going to take this lot to trust in God? 
Well, today's story is pretty drastic. God sends poisonous snakes. Let's just pick up the story. Verse 4 and 5, first of all. They travelled from Mount Hor along the route to the Red Sea to go around Eden, but the people grew impatient. They spoke against God and against Moses, saying, Why have you brought us out of Egypt to the wilderness? There's no bread, there's no water. We detest this miserable food. And the story goes on, verse 6 and 7, with this rather drastic action. The Lord sent venomous snakes among them. They bit the people and many Israelites died. The people came to Moses and said, We sinned when we spoke against the Lord and against you. Pray that the Lord will take the snakes away from us. So Moses prayed to the people. But God answers his prayer not in the way Moses expected or we would expect. And often when we look at how God answers our prayers, it's not how we would expect he does it. God does something else instead. Verses 8 and 9. The Lord said to Moses, make a snake and put it up on a pole. Anyone who's bitten can look at it and live. So Moses made a bronze snake and put it up on a pole. Then when anyone was bitten by a snake and looked at the bronze snake, they lived. So there's this terrible situation where they are desperate and they know they can't handle it. They need God to intervene. And God provides this extraordinary way to be healed. He doesn't take the snakes away, but he provides a way of healing. It's so unlikely uh, that who would think of doing that? But that's how God did it. They had to look at the bronze snake and they would be healed. And God used it and everyone who looked looked up with the eye of faith was healed. Uh, I don't know whether you've ever clocked that the British Medical Association used this as their symbol, a snake on a pole. There have been lots of different versions of that logo down the years, but it's the same one always. Back to this story, a place of healing. And we thank God for our medics today. Uh, But what was required was the people to look to God in faith. They needed to look up to him. This is above all what God has been looking for the whole way through. What will it get to get this people to trust him? And God is no doubt at work in us as a church and in you as individuals, longing for us to trust him more. For whatever's coming your way next, for whatever's coming our way as a church, as we emerge from COVID into this new era. Now, there's a famous old uh, manuscript illustration. I couldn't find the the one I was looking for to show you, uh, of Moses going round, urging people to look up. There's a picture of the bronze snake and Moses pointing at it and some people looking up. But others just turning away, uh, obviously in agony because of the snake bite. And though they're told to look up, they're not. It wasn't automatic. Uh, God didn't heal them automatically. They needed to do what he said, and in this case, to look at the snake on the pole. Now, it's a great story from the Old Testament. It's one of the ones I remember from my childhood in the Sunday school. The wonderful thing about this story is this is one of the stories that Jesus comments on himself. Wouldn't it be wonderful to have a recording of Jesus teaching us the Old Testament stories himself? I often wished I'd been Cleopas or his friend on the road back to Emmaus on that first Easter Sunday as Jesus explained to them how the Old Testament pointed to him. Do you remember this first Luke 24 verse 27? Beginning with Moses and all the prophets, Jesus explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. 
I wish they'd had a recording of that. <laughs> but we do have, uh, in John's Gospel, Jesus picking up this story. And it comes in Jesus' conversation with Nicodemus. So let's turn to that and we'll see how Jesus uses this story himself. So we're in John's Gospel, chapter 3. There was a Pharisee, a man named Nicodemus, who was a member of the Jewish ruling council. He came to Jesus at night and said, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher who has come from God. For no one could perform the signs you are doing if God were not with him. Jesus replied, Very truly I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again. So Nicodemus is a Pharisee. By and large, the Pharisees were a good bunch, though they get a bad press in the Gospels because so many of them turned away from Jesus. But Nicodemus is drawn to Jesus, but a bit embarrassed by that. So he comes at night. No one can see him. He has a conversation privately and quietly. And it's easier to do that. Now, you watching may be one of those people who's drawn to Jesus and you're not quite sure about coming back to church. Uh, We'd love to welcome you here. But we're going to continue doing church online so you can continue to look a bit like Nicodemus coming by night. You can come and dip your toe in the water and it's quite safe to do so. And in fact, we've had a number of folks joining our Alpha course like that as well. We'll be doing another one after Easter and you'd be very welcome to that. Nicodemus comes by night and Nicodemus is very polite. He's from Jerusalem, from the south, and he loads flannel onto Jesus. Jesus, we know you're a teacher, you could from God, you couldn't do the things you're doing. He's all very polite. Jesus came from Nazareth. He was a northerner and he was much more blunt. And he says to Nicodemus, you must be born again. No flannel, straight in. Uh, You need a whole new spiritual birth. Well, Nicodemus doesn't understand. Let's read on from verse 4. How can someone be born when they're old, Nicodemus asked. Surely they can't enter a second time into their mother's womb to be born. Jesus answered, truly I tell you, no one can enter the the kingdom of God unless they are born of water and the spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but the spirit gives birth to spirit. You shouldn't be surprised at me saying you must be born again. The wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear its sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it's going. So it is with everyone born of the Spirit. How can this be, says Nicodemus. He can't get his head round. Jesus is saying you need a whole new start spiritually. That is true for all of us. And All of us have sinned and fall short of God's glory. And we need to be forgiven. We need to be born again spiritually. We need a a fresh start to be alive, not just physically, but spiritually. Nicodemus can't get it. So Jesus goes on to explain from verse 10. You are Israel's teacher, said Jesus, and you don't understand these things. Truly, I tell you, we speak of what we know. We testify to what we've seen. But still you people do not accept our testimony. I've spoken to you of earthly things and you don't believe. How will you believe if I speak of heavenly things? No one's ever gone into heaven except the one who came from heaven, the Son of Man. And then Jesus reminds Nicodemus of this story. Just as Moses lifted up the snake in the wilderness... So the Son of Man must be lifted up, that everyone who believes in him may have eternal life in him. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. Perhaps the most famous verse in the Bible. Uh, But we don't always read the verses before it where Jesus points to this famous old story of Moses making the bronze snake and putting it on a pole so everyone who looked at it could be healed. 
And Jesus is explaining to Nicodemus that his death on the cross will function the same way as that bronze snake. Just as the Israelites were dying from the snake bite, so without Jesus, our world is dying out of touch with God. Not from the poison of snakes, but from the poison of sin. Sin is going our own way rather than God's way. And it leads to us being cut off from God, being lost in the words that Jesus used when he talked about the lost sheep and the lost coin and the lost sons. Now, pretty much every problem we face in the world around comes from our sin and selfishness. Think of climate change. The greed of humanity is fueling that. You think of racism. It's people's selfishness and sin and being horrible to those who look different. You think of poverty. We have enough for everybody. But those who are rich hoard too much and those who are poor don't have what they need. You think of trafficking people or relationship breakdown. We can think of all the evils in this world. And they all stem, stem from our sin and selfishness, from us, God's children, men and women, going our own way. That is what sin is, going our way rather than God's. Uh, and it's disastrous. And Jesus is saying that just as the Israelites of old had this problem of the poison of snakes, so we have the poison of sin. And that's what he came to deal with on the cross. If nothing was done about that, we would perish. Let's put up verse 16 again. God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. Uh, Jesus didn't want us to be cut off from God for all eternity. That's what the word perish is talking about. Out of touch with God for all eternity. God's made us to know him and God loves us. And in the person of Jesus, God has come to make it possible for us to be restored to him. But we must be born again, as Jesus said in verse 7. We're not good enough as we are. We need a whole new start. Now, if you think that the fact that God will judge is a terrible thing, think how much worse it would be if God didn't judge. If a Hitler or a Mother Teresa wound up exactly the same, if it didn't matter how we lived this, our life, that would be truly terrible. Uh, if there was no judgment at all in schools for how people do their work, uh, why do people bother? Uh, where God treats us with dignity. He holds us to account for how we live our lives, and he will judge. And if we walk away from God freely, uh, that means we wind up perishing. And Jesus came to bring us back to God. He told Nicodemus, just as Moses lifted up the snake on a pole, that anyone who was bitten by a snake could go and look at that snake on the pole and would be healed. So anyone who has sinned, and that is every one of us, if we look to Jesus on the cross and believe in him, there is forgiveness. We need not perish but have eternal life. The cross is God's remedy for sin. So I chose this passage for today. It's Passion Sunday when we think about the cross of Jesus. And it picks up that wonderful theme from the Old Testament that we've been looking at all term. Now to the modern world, it sounds ridiculous. How could one man's death on the cross all those years ago make a difference to me and my eternal destination? But to be honest, it sounded ridiculous to most people 2,000 years ago. It sounded absurd to the Greeks 
who think about wisdom, that God would die. That didn't make any sense. It sounded absurd to the Jews. Uh, anyone who was crucified was viewed as being under God's curse. It made no sense then any more than it does to modern ears. And yet the cross is God's power for salvation. And just as Moses would point people, if they had snake bite, to go and look at the cross, go and look at the snake on the pole. And they might say, don't be ridiculous, can't you do something helpful? But if they did go and look, then they were healed. So we have this wonderful good news. We thank those who pointed us to Jesus, that we've looked to him and we've repented of our sins and we've chosen to put our trust in him. And we have this message to point other people to, that if you look to Jesus, he will bring, first of all, spiritual healing. Our sins will be forgiven. And then he'll start working through us. So we're part of the solution in God's world, not part of the problem. Now, this puts everybody in the same boat. It didn't matter who the Israelites were, whether they were old or young, male or female, rich or poor, uh, relatively. If they had snake bite, they all had to do the same thing, go and look at the pole. And so it puts all of us in the same uh, boat. It doesn't matter who you are, old or young, rich or poor, black or white, all of us need to look to Jesus on the cross for our forgiveness and to be back in relationship with God in this world and for all eternity. And God will not force you to do that. Love never forces itself. But I today want to urge you, if you're dipping your toe in the water, to really look to Jesus uh, this Easter and his death on the cross and his resurrection as the heart of what God is doing. Just as sin and selfishness is at the heart of all the ills of the world, so Jesus, when he came, came to deal with the root problem your sin and my sin. And then to build his great kingdom of those who've bowed the knee to Jesus as Lord. But he won't force you. Jesus goes on after verse 16. Let's just have verse 16 up again, first of all. If we can do that. There we go. God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever, and that includes you, whoever you are, wherever you're watching from, whoever believes in him, shall not perish but have eternal life. And Jesus then went on to explain that we can do one of two things. Let's read on from verse 17. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Whoever believes in Jesus is not condemned, but whoever does not believe stands condemned already because they haven't believed in the name of God's one and only son. This is the verdict. Light has come into the world but people love darkness instead of light because their deeds were evil. Everyone who does evil hates the light and will not come into the light for fear that their deeds will be exposed. But whoever lives by the truth comes into the light so it may be seen plainly that what they have done has been done in the sight of God. This is probably John's comment on Jesus' teaching and Jesus probably taught John uh, using exactly this illustration that Jesus comes as the light from God and people have one of two reactions. They either turn away from the light, the light is too uncomfortable, it exposes the darkness inside us, or they come to the light and see the beauty and attraction of that light. And today's sermon works exactly the same for all of us. The light of Jesus is being shone into our lives and we come to it or we turn away. I've often wondered what happened to Nicodemus after this. Uh, we hear 
two more things from him. Once he stands up for Jesus uh, when, he's, when the council are talking about uh, condemning him. And he says, well, we ought to hear him before we condemn him. But then after Jesus has died on the cross, we find him with Joseph of Arimathea caring for Jesus' body. Uh, and this must mean that Nicodemus has come to identify with Jesus and put his trust in him. Let's read this. This is after Jesus has died. Joseph of Arimathea asked Pilate for the body of Jesus. Now Joseph was a disciple of Jesus, but secretly because he feared the Jewish leaders. With Pilate's permission, he came and took the body away. He was accompanied by Nicodemus, the man who earlier had visited Jesus at night. Nicodemus brought a mixture of myrrh, of myrrh and aloes, about 75 pounds. Taking Jesus' body, the two of them wrapped it with the spices in strips of linen. This was in accordance with Jewish burial customs. At the place where Jesus was crucified, there was a garden, and in the garden, a new tomb in which no one had ever been laid. Because it was the Jewish day of preparation and since the tomb was nearby, they laid Jesus there. Here is Nicodemus, the man drawn to Jesus. The man that Jesus told this old story of the snake on the pole to. I wonder if Nicodemus remembered that conversation. He must have done when he knew that Jesus was lifted up on the cross. And he must have remembered Jesus saying to him, anyone who looks to him will not perish, but have eternal life. Well, if you're watching this and exploring the Christian faith, I want to encourage you to keep on doing so. Uh, watching our services, they'll be online, uh, even when we can have crowds back, and we have an alpha course starting after Easter. Do go to our website and you can find out details. It works really well online. Uh, but for most watching, you'll be watching because you are already a Christian, a worshipper of Jesus. And today we're going to come and meditate on the cross. Uh, in a moment we'll have another song pointing us to the cross. We're going to share communion together. And if you're at home, uh, you're welcome just to uh, meditate on the Lord's love and the love of Jesus on the cross as we share communion here. Or you might want to get some bread and wine at home and join in as well. But we're going to use this time to meditate on God's love for us on the cross. And this really starts the two weeks to Easter. There'll be lots more opportunities to do that. A particular one will be a quiet hour on Good Friday afternoon at two o'clock. Beautiful hour just to meditate on God's love for us seen on the cross of Jesus. But as we do that, you may be reminded of those you know who don't yet share your Christian faith. Do pray for them. Do encourage them to come and explore these things. Everyone who looks to Jesus in that sense of putting their trust in him uh, won't perish but have eternal life. That's why Christianity is a missionary religion. It's why we have good news to share. So let's just be still and I'm going to lead in a prayer for different groups of people and then we'll sing together. First of all, for anyone who, like Nicodemus, is feeling drawn to Jesus, perhaps a little embarrassed, but wanting to find out more. Heavenly Father, we pray you would pour out your spirit on each person seeking after you. Thank you, Lord Jesus, that you promised that those who seek will find. 
our prayer ministry team in the week uh, had a picture reminded of that Narnia story, the silver chair, where the children wind up underground and they have to follow the path out and break through the turf to get out. And with that was the sense of God as the father of light, bringing them up into the fresh air and the light again. And we pray, dear Lord Jesus, for anyone who's feeling trapped in the dark underground, that you will shine your light and lead them to the fresh air of your love and a real breakthrough this Easter. There was also, someone was praying, felt God say this, come to me just as you are. And the sense that there's someone who longs to commit themselves to the Lord but feels they have to sort out their life first. It's the other way around. We come as we are and look to Jesus and then he brings his healing. So Father, if there is someone watching today who is ready to look to Jesus and commit to him, someone whose heart you've been knocking on uh, as I've been speaking, if this is you, then in the, in the quietness of your hearts, I invite you to say sorry to Jesus for the wrong in your life. To say thank you to Jesus, that when he died on the cross, he paid the price for all our sin. And to say, please, Lord Jesus, please come into my life by your spirit and wash away all that's wrong. Cleanse me of my sin and bring healing to me. That's what it takes to look to Jesus. And just as people looked to that snake on the pole and there was healing, so Jesus promises as we look to him, there is healing. Lord, if there is someone today ready to do that or who's just done that even just now, come and pour your Holy Spirit down into their life and give them joy in knowing that you have heard them and forgiven them and adopted them into your family. And we pray blessing on them as they start to walk with you if that is you do please tell someone I suggest you tell someone who'll be pleased probably a Christian uh, or you could drop me an email if you like and we'd love to help you and then lastly a prayer for each other Lord in this church family as we approach Easter and as we start to do that now by singing about the cross by coming to communion pour your spirit down on us fill us afresh with your love wash us afresh clean of all our sin. Give us a fresh confidence in the resurrection. And may we become uh, better and better disciples of Jesus in the years that lie ahead. And all these things we pray in his name. Amen.